This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Hope you guys are having a good day out there today. Um, Getting ready for the weekend. Should be a nice one. Um, Go have some fun. Get yourself uh, maybe cook out, do some things this weekend. But first, please do listen to this podcast in its entirety because it's a good one today. Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist, will join me here in just a little while to talk college football, college sports in general after the huge landscape-altering decision last week, USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten, um, giving the Big Ten coast-to-coast representation, geography completely out the window in college sports when you're talking about having teams on the East Coast and the West Coast. What does that all mean for the Big Ten? What does it mean for college sports in general? What does it mean for the Gophers um, in particular um, in terms of competition, in terms of money, things like that, and where are we headed in the future? So Chip and I will get into that here in just a little bit. Got to think a little bit about the Twins' schedule going forward. Had someone raise an interesting point with me, um, and I've got a counterpoint to that as far as the schedule tightening up, getting harder for them. Twins in first place by four and a half games still right now in the very weak American League Central. In fact, the American League only has six teams that are above 500 right now. Not a good league right now. But first, what did I miss? Got to talk wild. It was a big newsy day. And, you know, on a day when re-signing goalie Marc-Andre Fleury and drafting two players in the first round probably should have dominated all of the headlines. I got I got to say this story about Russian players and Kirill Kaprizov in particular uh, continues to nudge its way into uh, into the picture more than more than you would like it to. Um, in this case, Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, weighed in on it, but didn't really weigh in on it at all. Made it more made it feel like there's going to be a summer of uncertainty when talking about NHL players in Russia, whether. There's military service owed to uh, to to Russia, and you know what that means for Kirill Kaprizov going forward. Um, Sarah McClellan's story today noted 56 Russian players in the NHL this past season. That's you know one or two per team. That's quite a few, including some big names like Kaprizov. Bettman saying it's probably not a good idea for us or the clubs to get involved in the politics of what's going on in Russia. I don't want to say anything that could be misconstrued or cause the inflammation of a sensitive situation. Russian players that still reside in Russia need to make sure they're making the best possible to, best possible decisions for themselves and their families. Um, that's uh, that's interesting. They didn't really, you know, not really, not really, go, not really going there. I guess so we, we said we probably don't have the full story as to what's going on in terms of what each player's relationship is in Russia with respect to the government. We're going to have to respect the process as to what goes on. So that is hanging over the entire wild offseason because as much as they look like they have improved themselves in some areas, re-signing Flurry a big deal, although we'll, we'll see how happy Cam Talbot ultimately is with that relationship. I don't know if he has a whole lot to say about it in the end because he is under contract for one more season, so that gives them a pretty good tandem next season 
Um, <clears throat> but, you know, on the day they drafted two players, one of them uh, Russian, by the way, and that was an interesting subplot to that because there had been some speculation that Bettman had told teams not to draft Russian players, and Bettman addressed that saying, no, I don't think that would be appropriate. I saw there was a report we were advising clubs not to not to draft Russians. That's not true. Clubs will draft anyone who is anybody who is draft eligible. Obviously, when you draft a player from a particular country, obviously when you draft a player from a particular country, you may be impacted by whether you can get them to play. So this is a situation that is impacting the league and the Wild in particular after they chose um, two players, Liam Olgren, um, he's from Sweden, but then Russian wing Danila Yurov, number 24 overall Thursday. And the Wild has two more picks in the second round tonight, by the way. Um, you know, both those players, you know, Judd Brackett, Wilds director of amateur scouting, say they play a style that fits what we do, heavy, skilled, skate well, play with pace. It's exactly what they're looking for. That's how they do play. Will these Russian players be able to play? That Until there's a, a resolution to that question, not much else in this offseason matters because without Kirill Kaprizov, if there's any kind of holdup in him returning to the team, this is not the same team that goes without saying that is an, a massive understatement this is the franchise this is like saying uh, i mean i'm not even gonna make a comparison because he doesn't need a comparison he is their best player their bona fide number one by far he is the star that makes them go yeah i'm sure they could withstand you know you know if he's if he's here and he misses you know six games with an injury something like that they can get through that if they don't know if he's gonna be able to play this season that throws an entire wrench into anything they have had planned. So this is going to be a story that you need to pay attention to and keep track of, even if Garrett's not pushing the panic button. Um, yeah, I don't think we should push the panic button. It's July. The season's a long ways away. But this is a story that bears watching. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately for the Wild, has dominated the headlines the last couple of days, even as they've had this other bits of good news. Should also note three future Gophers chosen in the first round of the NHL draft on Thursday night as well, including Logan Cooley, number three overall by Arizona. Also, uh, Jimmy Snuggerud, 23rd overall to St. Louis, and Sam Renzel, 25th to the Blackhawks. So good news for the Gophers. A lot of talent coming into that program in the next couple of years with those three very high draft picks. MGM Wine & Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, pre-mixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine & Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. Really happy to have Chip Scoggins on daily delivery today. There is nobody at the Star Tribune, maybe even in the whole state of Minnesota, Chip, maybe even in this country, that I would rather talk <laughs> Big Ten football expansion with than you, someone who has a deep love of college sports and a deep knowledge of college sports. Um, I was, you know, I was on vacation last week when all of this happened with UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten, giving them 16 schools, giving them basically coast-to-coast -coast coverage. Um, you know, with the way conferences are going, maybe this shouldn't have been stunning, but it still felt yeah. shocking just to think about 
these two kind of, you know, legacy schools out in California joining the Big Ten. What was your reaction when you heard the news? Yeah, there is that whoa moment because you're, you're talking about two schools who are the bedrock of the, of the West Coast Conference out there, Pac, you know, whatever you would call it, Pac-12 now. Um, I mean, it, both those schools have been here almost 100 years, right? Uh, yeah. And, and so, but once you get past that initial jolt, you're kind of like, yeah, this is this part of college sports. This is where we're at. I mean, if, if Texas and Oklahoma are going to bolt to the SEC last year, I think anybody who's been paying attention said that's not the finish line. That's not the last domino. This is there is a land rush to grab uh, some of these marquee brands and marquee schools because let's be honest, Tennessee or uh, TV wants it. Fox, ESPN. It's all about inventory. It's all about uh, markets, attractive markets, putting uh, their product in front of as many eyeballs as they can. And so uh, I wasn't surprised. I thought, quite honestly, the next time the Big Ten expanded, it would be Notre Dame, and we can get to that down the line. Yeah. Um, but I said at the time when Texas and Oklahoma went to, to the SEC, I said the Big Ten – should call Notre Dame. I said USC, UCLA. I said Kansas. I said North Carolina. We need to forget about geography, and people yeah. hate that. But in college sports, we need to forget about geography and think about uh, where this is going. And and we can talk about that in a while. But it's it's we're heading towards super conferences. Well, and what the Big Ten seems to have recognized fairly early, like their their play in, in expansion here lately. When you think about Rutgers. Maryland, and now these two schools out in LA, they seem to have put a lot of their eggs in the TV basket, the, the media yes. market basket. They've got teams in the, they've got schools in the three largest markets right now, New York, LA, Chicago. If, you, if we're counting Northwestern, we're counting obviously the two new schools. We're counting, yeah. you know, Rutgers in, in New York. They, they added the DC market, which is number nine when they, when they brought in, when they brought in Maryland, you know, they got Minneapolis, St. Paul, which is 14. Now they got Detroit, which is 15. They've got a lot of the biggest media markets to put their channel, to put other programming on. And that, you know, I think as much as the brand, that seems that has to be driving a lot of this. Well, and it was like, it, you know, when they added Rutgers in, in Maryland, we're like, Rutgers, what do, what do they add? Well, Why they added they want Rutgers, the New York yeah. market. <laughs> the New York market. Now we can debate how popular Rutgers is in that New York market. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think it's, I mean, I've been to a football game there and it's, um, I wouldn't say there was a huge demand for Rutgers football tickets when, when the Gophers played there a couple of years ago, but it, it's, it's, you know, it's a big market where you're putting your big 10 network and all your programming and all the inventory that you have in that market. So uh, yes, they, they've identified these big markets and obviously you're getting a Los Angeles market, uh, which is coveted and, and you're getting uh, traditional brand name schools with UCLA basketball, USC yeah. football. Uh, and so that that's appealing. And I, Mike, I like this move. And, and, and I'm a traditionalist. I love the all of the unique rivalries and the different things that make college uh, sports so wonderful. But I also recognize, hey, man, if you can add USC and UCLA to your um, – and potentially a Notre Dame to your conference, what that does in terms of strengthening it and adding uh, – 
you know, revenue and just a big feel of what this, this conference is going to have now when you're talking about coast to coast and that comes with challenges and problems and, and things that um, need to be addressed. But it, if you're telling Gopher fans, Hey, you're gonna get to go to USC and uh, for a football game. I think that's pretty cool. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think they'll be into that. I think, you know, obviously the big, let, let's start with kind of the, the big revenue sports, you know, football, men's basketball. Those are the big ones. Obviously. What, what does this sure. mean for those sports when you add schools like that? Well, for football, let's, in the, let's be honest. The, these expansion, these, these conference realignments is all about football. And that's where that's the biggest money uh, driver, uh, the playoff um, TV. So in football, I mean, USC is not the USC of old, but it's still USC. Uh, they have a new coach. Obviously recruiting is going to be great there. They're, you know, that you're strengthening your, your, your brand and your, your football conference just by that. UCLA has been kind of up and down, but you know, it's not a terrible program, obviously. Um, and so it's going to make it more difficult if you're from a Gophers perspective. I don't know how many times you're going to be playing USC. It, that That's the thing that is uh, to be determined is how do they make this work in terms of, because I think most people, when you look at the Big Ten, you sort of assume that the divisions are going away, right? That's, that's uh, kind of the unspoken uh, truth right now is like the East and West is going away. Uh, there's too much imbalance there. Um, I, I think the, the Gophers don't even have the, the, the next year schedule on the website anymore because I think most people uh, know and assume that, that the, the divisions are going away. So now you have 16 teams. Is it just going to be – they are going to protect their rivalries. I mean, they're not so dumb that they're you know not going to protect your best rivalry. So Minnesota is going to play Wisconsin-Iowa every year. That's, of course, yeah. That's, that's a given. Um, that would be foolish to eliminate that. But how it works after that, I'm curious to see. So I, I don't know – you know, they're going to want Fox is going to want USC to play Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan fairly regularly, right? I mean, that's a marquee matchup. That's why you're doing this. It's not going to be, oh, they'll play them once every seven years. No, no. Now, how, how often does the Gophers play UCLA or USC? I don't know, but um, the conference got better. I mean, they didn't add a couple of lightweights. <laughs> you know, these are no one traditional power and, and one that's, you know, it's in a, Los Angeles market that's going to, you know, have access to, to great recruits. And um, so your, your football conference and basketball conference, obviously, at UCLA and basketball, uh, you get a lot better there, too, in men's basketball. So um, so your conference as competitive, just from the competitive nature, and those two, you know, marquee sports is getting uh, decidedly uh, better. Is that, you know, the interesting thing for the Gophers, obviously they get – an influx of they're going to get some more money out of this, obviously, when you add. Yes. And, you know, does that, you know, if part of the reason they cut sports was financial. Does that seem short sighted at that point? That's a, maybe that's a discussion for another time. But competitively, it feels like the conferences, you know, like you said, getting it's a lot better when you add these two schools, especially in those programs most years, you know. Will the Gophers have a harder time competing now? You know, for, you know, right now we're talking about you know, them being in a, in a big 10 West where it looks like, you know, for what, you know, for the, for the short term, they're set up pretty well to, to compete, to be able to compete for at least a, you know, that half of the standings um, as that evolves, are they going to have a harder time 
winning Big Ten championships? Well, I would say yes, um, because you're adding to you know one really good football program, one in, you know middle of the pack football program, and so I'm, I'm still curious because the West was set up good for, for the teams in was, the West. Yeah, it was set up great because you're not having Ohio State, and you're not having Michigan, you're not having Penn State. Um, with that going away, which again, I think we all are operating assumption. How is, how is the big 10 going to align this? Like, how is your schedule going to be? Um, I think, you know, a lot of us, uh, we're looking at it being the three, five, five model. You protect three rivals yeah. uh, that you play every year and then alternate between, you know, five, one year, five, the next five. And so, um, it, how does that now that you're at 16, how does that look, uh, after, you know, when right. they do come into the league? So, um, yeah, you're adding another <laughs> tough team, tough, tough two teams in football and in basketball. It's like, yeah, well, you have to go out and play UCLA or USC on the road in basketball. That's, you know, that's a, that's tough sledding. And so, um, I don't think the big 10, uh, people that are cashing the checks really care if you say <laughs> it got a lot harder for us. Well, right. money, yeah, the money got a lot bigger. So deal with it. That's, that's money, what's uh, money, money talks. <laughs> And that's, that's something we should say, Mike. They're projecting, yeah, by the end of this decade, one hundred million dollars per school annually. Wow, what think is it right that. now? I think they're, if I'm correct, I believe they're around fifty-four million. Wow, so like almost um, double. If we're, if we're if those numbers are right, almost double. Yeah, if that projection is right, and and that was, and people were saying that before they added USC and UCLA. Yeah. Now sometimes these numbers get bloated and yeah, not. But but if it's you know these are business uh, outlets that are projecting this. So if you're giving the Gophers in revenue distribution, 100 million every year to your point a minute ago about dropping sports, it'll be interesting to see if they, if they revisit that or do they just allocate more to football, basketball and all the other sports and try to beef up wherever they need there, which some would, some would say they're already beefed up, you know, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, no, these are, but but guess what? All the other schools are going to spend that money somewhere too. And yeah, invest it in, in football and basketball a lot. These are not hockey schools, um, so I'm you know what is it? I mean, the smaller sports and hockey's not a small sport here, but just I'm just thinking about like scheduling. Like, will UCLA and yeah. Rutgers play in tennis? Like, it will. Does that make any sense? Like, how when you when you have such a geographical gap now for some of these smaller sports that have much tighter budgets that, well, you know, you t- all of a sudden you're talking about like a three day road trip to fly cross country. How is that going to work? Well, and that's where I, I wonder because um, the majority of these schools aren't flying charter or teams aren't flying charter, right? Yeah. They're, they're flying commercial, just like the rest of us. Um, and so is it, there's two things. If I'm an athlete in those Meyer sports, that's where you need to band together and say, no, wait a second you have all this influx of cash coming in and we're providing the, you know, the product we want to charter more. We want to start chartering. I, I think that's a absolutely uh, fair and should be a uh, requirement. If, if you're getting a hundred million dollars annually and you're asking the baseball team from Rutgers to fly, you know, midweek or a, or, you know, volleyball or soccer midweek, to fly to you know other side of the country, they should be chartered. Um, but I do wonder in, in scheduling if there'll be 
more two for ones. Hey, you're going to go to the West Coast and play, you know, UCLA on Wednesday, USC on Friday, or sure. some kind of arrangements that they're because they're going to have to. They can't just have a footprint that's coast to coast and say we're going to keep scheduling. Yeah, you're going to have a Tuesday night, you know, Penn State. You're going to have a Tuesday night at UCLA, you know, UCLA, and then you're going to, that. That's not going to work. So scheduling is going to be, I think, the biggest challenge for the for the uh, non-revenue sports because. You know, football, I don't know how much it really changes. Maybe you leave a little bit earlier on Friday or maybe you fly Thursday night after classes. So you, if you have to go to the West Coast or East Coast for, you know, the West Coast teams. So football doesn't change that much. Everyone else that has more games, uh, midweek games. Yeah. You cannot, if we hear so much, student welfare is top priority. This is what, you know, then put your money where your mouth is and you have to account for the demands, extra demands that you're asking of them. And so that's where, uh, that's where I think the, the athletes have a little a power and say in this because uh, they're, they're going to be asked to do a lot more traveling um, with this new arrangement. And, you know, frankly, like the destinations are not bad. Nobody, you know, nobody's going to balk no. at, Hey, we're going to, you know, California in December, California in February. It's probably the other way. The, the, the harder sells probably UCLA and USC, talking those athletes into, you know, Hey, you got a midweek tennis match in Indianapolis or, you know, where Purdue or wherever. Or a baseball, you have a, uh, yeah. a May game in, yeah. <laughs> in Minnesota. Where 52 it de- it's 52 <laughs> degrees and cloudy. And that's the nicest day we've had in three weeks. So enjoy. I know. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see how I do think there will be a lot of the, the two for ones and just go out there and play both schools or and vice versa for them coming here. You, you know, you might play, you know, Minnesota, Purdue, Minnesota, Northwestern, something's reasonably close. Yeah. Badgers, whatever. Yeah. Last couple thoughts for you here, Chip. So, you know, this, this happened, we had, you know, the big sec expansion. Now the, these you know, big 10 has 16 teams, I guess. What does all of this mean for college football, college sports in general, and maybe where, where are we headed next with all this? Because it doesn't, it still doesn't feel like we're done with it. Is no, still, no. This is still very much sorting itself out and, like you said, Notre Dame might be next with the Big Ten, and you know maybe that we're just headed for super conference style, and you know go from 100%. there. Hundred percent. I mean, this is a a daily thing right now, and it's more dominoes are coming right now. The the Pac twelve and the Big Twelve are kind of on a standoff or, or a stare down. Uh, the Big Twelve is trying to add as many as six Pac twelve teams to them and, and create a, a super conference. I think both of those somehow will come together and marry and you'll have I think ideally, or not ideally, but eventually you're gonna see three 20 team conferences. I think uh and then just break away from the NCA and do their own thing, have their own playoff, set their own rules and agenda. And it's, it's you know it's gonna be quasi professional. Um, in terms of football and basketball, but that's where we've been trending anyways. But these, the idea of power five is done. I mean, there's no more power five. Forget that. I mean, it's right now it's power two because of the Big Ten and SEC and their, <clears throat> the projections are they're, they're going to be able to pay double what the other three quote-unquote power five conferences will be able to pay in revenue distribution. Well, that's not sustainable for the other three. Right. And so, you know darn well, Oregon's trying to get to the big 10 really hard. I think Washington is too. It, you know, obviously the, the big prize is Notre Dame. And I, I honestly think as much as they've resisted uh, 
the Big Ten and the ACC over the years in terms of just having their own independence with football. Um, I think there's so much money and so much pressure now because they don't want to be left out of that, of any kind of football playoff, which who knows what that thing is going to look like right. um, when, they, when they go to expansion. I, I, I think Notre Dame will finally budge and, and join the Big Ten. I, I really think that's going to happen again. Notre Dame has a lot of money and, you know, prestige and brand and, and their own NBC deal. But again, if that hundred million dollars is accurate, it's hard to walk away from that and turn that down. Um, and so I could see the big 10 getting to 20 with Notre Dame, Oregon, Washington, you know, if you're Clemson, are you committed to the ACC? Now, some of this is, is how, um, tied in they are with their, with their contracts. Right. The ACC has got something kind of, I not, I don't know if it's anything's ironclad anymore. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure their lawyers are scanning through there trying oh, to yeah. find loopholes in a way to get out of it. Um, but some of that is a, you know, a, a hurdle, but if you're Clemson, would you want to join the sec and be part of that? So I, I think eventually five years from now, I think we'll be at three super conferences of, 60 teams, 56, you know, high 50 teams where they do their own thing. And because you do not want to be on the outside. Yeah. Like, like if you're the Pac-12 and you lose, right now the discussions are uh, reportedly Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Cal, I believe, going to the Big 10 or Big 12. And then possibly, yeah, and possibly, uh, Oregon and, and uh, Washington too. Well, if you're Stanford, you're like, yeah. well, what the, what do we do yeah. now? Right. What do we do now? I mean, you can't really go it alone. No. So it's, it's a mess. I mean, and it's fluid and it's, I mean, these conferences are having emergency meetings daily. Um, by the time you post this, something could change, you know, but I, <laughs> but I, I honestly think, um, you know, the biggest thing right now is for the big 10, I think the hard push towards Notre Dame, because then that's, I mean, if you get Notre Dame, you add that to it, to your inventory and to your your brand. Holy cow. Now it's, you're a super conference. Yeah. seems like the biggest losers in this would be kind of the, the lower level teams in the, in the conferences that are kind of getting poached right now. Well, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, um, let's think about the big 12. Well, when you lose, Texas and Oklahoma. What do you have to sell to ESPN and Fox? Right. Hey, you know, we got Oklahoma state. They're going to be, that's, you know, Oklahoma state's a fine athletic program and do, you know, they're got a good, strong football program. Basketball's has success, but in terms of selling it nationally and having, no, it's like you lost your, look at the PAC 12. Now when you lose UCLA and USC to that, what do you have? That's why if you're those lower level schools like, you know, Arizona State or Stanford or even Washington, and I hate to call those lower level, but they're not USC and USA in, in terms of prestige. Um, what's this all about? Let's, at the fundamental thing, it's money. Yeah. And when you go to try to get a TV uh, media rights deal and you don't have the, your top schools, what are you selling? Yeah. I mean, these, these, you just, there's, you're not attractive enough to the Foxes and ESPNs to sell. And so that's where, and if, if, if you're 
the money that you're going to be getting in revenue revenue distribution is a lot less, a half less, a third left, whatever. And you're trying to pay bills. You're already saying you're maxed out and you're, you know, you already get hit hard by COVID. It's a real problem for those schools. Yeah, it is. Well, we're going to see where this all heads. It's heading in a very interesting direction and, you know, twists and turns every day. The UCLA USC thing being the latest for the big 10 chips Goggins. Great stuff. Great to have you on. And we'll, I'm sure we'll be chatting about this more down the road. Thanks Mikey. One postscript to my conversation with chip, which I hope you enjoyed at what point do they have to stop calling it the Big Ten? I mean, when they have 16 teams, do they, have to, do they have to change the name at some point? I know there's branding involved. I know there's, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter at a certain point how many teams are in the conference, and they haven't changed as they've added teams along the way here when they went to 11, then 12, then 14, and now 16. But at a certain point, it becomes ridiculous to call yourself the Big Ten. Um, maybe when they get to 20, they'll call themselves the Big 20. Who knows? Maybe that's when they'll change. They'll just keep up. Uh, they'll, they'll only update the name when they when they go in multiples of 10 and eventually be the, the Big 30, I guess. But that, to me, uh, stands out as well in all of this. Let's finish with the cooler. I had a listener reach out the other day noting that the Twins' schedule does get tougher in the back half of the season. And, and they're right. There are some... Some more challenging series coming up. You got the Brewers for a couple games next week. That's a good team. Um, you know, two more against the Brewers later in July than the Padres. That's a first place team in the na- in the National League. You got still got to play the Dodgers again for a couple games. You got to play um, the Yankees again, the Astros again. But I would say this as well: twenty three of the Twins' last 26 games are against the American League Central. That is in September. The other three against the Angels, who are not doing well right now. So even if things get a little bit tougher in you know in the rest of July and August, September will be against what looks right now like a very weak American League Central. And if things tighten up a little bit before that, the Twins still could be in pretty good shape down the stretch. That'll do it for me today. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll be back at it again on Monday.